Welcome to Mayak Innovatsi, the podcast of Unit City dedicated to innovation from Ukraine to the world. And hello, hello, welcome to Mayak Innovatsi, the Ukrainian pitch. And this is a very special edition because this is the Kmef edition. So for those who are listening to, to, to us, If you don't know what KMEF is, I don't know where you're living, but that's okay. Uh, but uh, for, for those who know what KMEF is, it's, uh, it's a Kif International Economic Forum. It's something we do every year. Um, well, last time we had Jack Ma, um, so we had to raise the bar uh, for this uh, new edition. So we said, okay, who is better than Jack Ma? What, what is the coolest startup in the world right now? And we felt, you know what? We know, uh, we know a cool French unicorn um, called Blablacar. And we said, let's, let's invite the, the co-founder and CEO of Le Blacar. And you know what? He said yes. They're crazy. But I guess it's because he's French. Mayak Innovati. One, two, three, launch. Nicolas Burson. Yeah, Hello. thanks for having me. I mean, it's good. I mean, it's true that Blablacar, Alibaba sounds the same. So, so I'm glad to be compared to Jack. Here you go. And I, and I, I, but I hope you're going to hand better. Uh, well, uh, you know, <laughs> I hope we get to the size of Alibaba one day. I think. Uh, okay, <laughs> cool. Uh, let's talk about Blablacar. Um, so you started like what, 10 years ago? We actually started 15 years ago. 15 uh, years ago? We, we celebrated actually 15 years and 100 million members just now. Right, so wow, 100 million members. Uh, How many countries? So it's 22 countries. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's mostly countries in Europe. We're in France, Spain, Germany, but also outside of Europe. So we're in Ukraine, obviously. We're also in Russia. We're in Brazil, Mexico, Turkey, India. Uh, so essentially, we've expanded well beyond Europe. Uh, and today, actually, the activity is not just you know, a bit of activity outside of France and a big French business. Uh, like this summer, we had 70% of the activity outside of Europe. Wow. So we've become, over time, like a truly international platform uh, for travelers. Okay, so um, pitch, pitch me blah, blah, car. Because, I mean, some people live in the moon and, and are in the US. And, yeah. and so they don't know what blah, blah, car is. They, they might have heard of it, but... Uh, um, so what is Blablacar? Yeah, so, so very basically, Blablacar is a platform where drivers can go and post their ride when they travel around with their car with empty seats. And passengers can go on the platform and book those empty seats and travel with those drivers. So essentially, you know, sometimes people call that Airbnb for cars, but it's really applying the sharing economy concept to idle asset, to the idle asset that is the car or empty seats in cars. So that's how we started. Uh, that's how we scaled essentially Blabla Car in many, many countries. Mm -hmm. uh, so essentially allowing drivers to save more money by sharing the car when they have empty seats in the car. And more recently, I think we've become something larger than that because now we are a, a larger platform that would integrate cars, buses. We think about train in the future and becoming this go-to marketplace where you would go to book anything to go intercity, right? So when you go from city A to city B, you could sit in someone else's car, you could sit in a bus, you could sit on a train, you could even longer term do a trip where you book a seat in a train and then you connect with someone with a car to do the first mile or last mile. So, so the vision is really you know, an intercity platform based on the community. How did you come up with the name? I, mean, ah, I know, I know, but, but, but when you're not French, it's... It's not well. It, it's not. It's not as French as uh, as okay. we think. So, so, so essentially, like we initially, it was called covoiturage, which you oh, you would, you would yeah. understand, <laughs> which is a descriptor. It means carpooling. So yeah. it's like your company's name is carpooling.com, mm -hmm. which in the early days works because it says what it does and yeah. people kind of understand. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, covoiturage, you're not going to go international, and it's not a brand. 
It's just yeah. a descriptor. Yeah. Um, and you know, we struggle and we were like thinking like, how do we call that? And what's a good name for that? And essentially back then, uh, we had a feature in the product where as a driver or a passenger in the community, you would you know, declare lots of things. If you smoke, not smoke. Um, if you want to listen to music, no music. And if you want to talk or not talk in the car. And we had this feature where you'd say, I'm a blah, I'm a blah, blah, or I'm a blah, blah, blah. And essentially, mm -hmm. it was just a tiny feature in the product to That's say cool, how talkative actually. you are. And back in the days when we thought about the brand name, we, we talked to all the users and, and we asked, like, what do you remember about the site? What do you remember about the logo, the colors, the brand environment? And they were all like, ah, I think it's red, black, blue. And you say, geez, like, they don't remember anything, <laughs> anything. about the design. <laughs> and they always said, ah, but that's the... You know, that's the website where you have to choose if you're blah, blah, blah thing. And it's uh -huh. quite funny. And we thought like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Like that feature that was just one feature amongst mm -hmm. others, you uh, stuck to people's mind. Um, and we decided to rebrand around that. And essentially, it's about rebranding around the social element of Blah, Blah Car. Mm -hmm. And the fact that what is special when you do carpooling, unlike any other mean of transport, is that you will talk to your passengers. You meet people. You meet people, mm -hmm. which is not necessarily the case on a plane. On a plane, you can just sit and not talk for hours. To oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, I mean, that's my thing. Like, when, I, when I'm in a plane, I hate speaking to people. And when people start talking to me, yeah. I'm like, oh, Exactly. So, so, so it's not the social code. In a car, you would do the opposite. Right. Like, like you know, if, if I give you a ride in my car, you, you naturally, mm -hmm. you are in my environment. Mm -hmm. It's my car. It's my personal space. You would talk to me. And, and some people do that a lot. Some people don't want to do that. And hence, right. you know, the name Blah Blah Car. Cool. And, um, and today, you know, talking about brand and brand power, 92% um, of Blah Blah Car booking come from natural brand traffic. So the brand is highly recognized wow, today. Wow, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so obviously you are uh, one of the rare or first, uh, not as rare anymore, but French unicorn. Yeah. Um, what does it mean to be a unicorn? I mean, it means like you're scaling like crazy. And uh, so what is it actually a unicorn? Because for a lot of people, it's just fun and cute, but... Uh, Yeah. So, uh, frankly, like, uh, you know, I, I never woke up in the morning thinking, um, yeah, it's fantastic, we're a unicorn. So, mm -hmm. unicorn being, you know, being valued over a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. um, uh, today, I would say many, many tech companies in Europe, in France, all over the world have passed that valuation. So, I don't mm -hmm. think it means that much. I think what we the most proud, proud of is actually not so much the valuation. It matters. Don't get me wrong. It, it's great to be highly yeah, valued. Yeah. Um, but it's to be international. So, so I think one thing that we were very obsessed about from day one is how do we make uh, you know, at least a European or a global company, which most mm -hmm. European startups were not good at. Right. So if you look still today, but if you look specifically back in the days, like in 2012, 2013, when we, when we started to expand internationally, We had no example in France, or very, very few examples, of consumer internet companies that have scaled internationally. You know, most of them stay great companies, but stuck to France. Or best case, they go in Spain and a couple of other countries. So it, it was sort of like terra cognita for us, like you, to, to start like expanding all over Europe, and then to start expanding in Ukraine, in Russia, in Brazil, in all, all of these countries. And again, as I said today, 70% of our activity is not even in Europe. Mm -hmm. so, so we've become this global platform, which I think is quite unique uh, for a European player and specifically for a French player. And that's probably the thing where I would say we led the way. And still today, 
out of all the unicorns, specifically like consumer internet companies, they still come to us and say like, hey, how did you manage the international expansion? Uh-huh. Um, how did you manage all these M&As? Because we've done quite a few acquisitions. So I think that's probably where we, we remain a template uh, for, for the French ecosystem more than the valuation. I hope there will be many, many more unicorn in the, in the French ecosystem. We need more. So well, uh, we'll come back to, to Ukraine and, and, and to mm-hmm. expansion in, in the region uh, in a few minutes. Uh, but, um, and actually, so we are live at MEF. We, we just hear the, the, the prime minister coming to uh, on stage. Exactly. So, well, it's, our conversation is way more important than when the prime minister <laughs> can say. Um, so, but hello, prime minister. Um, I, I want to talk about the US because Um, I, I remember a, a great conversation with uh, with Grandjean, the, the, the founder of uh, Vente yep. Privé, and, yep, yep. and he went to the US and he decided to go and it was tough and he, and he did a big partnership with American Express and it, it, it didn't work and, uh, and actually he talks very uh, openly about it, uh, about the fact that, well, I mean, it failed. Um, And you guys decided not to go to the US, yep. um, so you didn't make his mistake or Why? Why, yeah. why is this U.S. market so so complicated? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. But you're able to go to Brazil, you're able to go to Ukraine, to yeah, Russia. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it, it's a bit of a different story for us. I mean, first of all, uh, I would say I grew up culturally in the U.S. So I finished my studies in California. I spent the first seven years of my life in startups in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. So you know, if I had a good reason to start the U.S., I would go. Like, okay. I'd love to go. And, you know, I, so, so there is no... Uh, it's not by fear, it's not by lack of knowledge of the country. Uh, both Fred and I studied in the US, so we would love to go. I, I think what's interesting in our case, there is no market or there is a, a small market for us in the US. Why? Because you know, if you look at the, the US, it's a bit of an outlier when it comes to carpooling, where the cost of motoring is actually very low, mm-hmm. right? Like gas prices are pretty low cars are pretty cheap, insurance are pretty cheap, and the infrastructure of the country is such that the first mile and the last mile is not covered by public transport. Right. So it's very hard. Like you know, If you think of the product we've built for Europe or for Ukraine or for Brazil, essentially a driver would say, hey, I'm driving from you know, that, um, uh, that location in the city in Paris, let's say, mm-hmm. and I'm going to that location in Brussels, then it's very easy for passengers to take like the metro or tram to go to that car, just like they go to a train station, You travel between two cities, right. then they get dropped off in Brussels, they take another metro in Brussels, and they go home. It doesn't work in 90% of the places in the U.S., except maybe in uh, So you really have to go door to door yeah. in the U.S. And so, so essentially, you have two issues. You have one issue on the passenger side, where right. it's very hard to make the service convenient. Yeah. It's very uh, unappealing to some extent financially for drivers. And it's a tough equation, right? So if you add to that that marketing is expensive in the U.S., it's a complex market, it doesn't sound that appealing. Now, I, I would say so far, we've been right not to go because there is no black car in the U.S. No. So, so that's, you know, so, so far, I would say you're calling the fact that there might not be a big market for us has turned out to be true. So maybe it's because no one has tried, but frankly, in, in the US, you know, in the, the country of entrepreneurs, the country of venture capital, where you have so many projects being started, I doubt uh, there is a strong market. And as, as a quick side story on that, Lyft, which is the competitor of Uber in the US, started as something called Zimride. Zimride was back then, BlaBlaCar of the US. Excellent. And I met with John and Logan um, in 2010, Palo Alto, 
Zimride was a small company, Blackout was a small company. And we said, like, if one day we compete, we've done well. And in fact, we've done well, they've done well, yeah. but they had to pivot and yeah. do something else. Yeah. So, so that's what we, we, we not in the US and you know, essentially what we do, which is intercity ground travel by car or by shared car, I should say, or buses. The US is not the, the play. Latin America is Ukraine is Russia is Europe is and that's where we play so we are in Kiev we are in Ukraine uh, and Blablacar is uh, is uh, present in Ukraine actually you're you're you're, you're a famous company here uh, yeah, people, people do know a, a, you 8 million users actually. yeah 8 yeah. million users so that's v very cool uh, and you came to Ukraine by acquisition Uh, so M&A is, is something you like doing and uh, and so w what is the story uh, behind that? Yeah, so, so essentially the story was in 2012 essentially we decided to go international uh, and the first wave was how do we go European and we've done that from 12 to 14 and then starting in 13, 14 we decided okay what's next like how do we expand outside of Europe and the first expansion was actually Ukraine um, so, so we, we, we found a great entrepreneur that started something that was essentially like The, the start of a blah blah car uh, for Ukraine and Russia. So he was uh, attacking both countries at the, at the same time. Um, he was Ukrainian, Alexei. Um, and we found the guy brilliant. And I, re I realized back then that there is no way I can hire that type of talent locally. So if I launch Ukraine and I send like, you know, a bunch of French people there, or I try to find a recruitment firm and hire someone, I will not be able to hire like a true entrepreneur. So the only way to enter was to convince him, and I've done that in several countries, to convince him to join the adventure. And, and essentially to say, hey, uh, we're going to build Babacar together. I give you the keys. You build Babacar for, for, for this market. And essentially, what do we have? We have the brand. We have funding. And, and, right. and, and we have like a playbook. And you know, we can combine all of that and, uh, and build the region. And that's what we've done. And to this date, Alexei is still with the company. Um, he's running Ukraine. Yeah, at some point, he was running Ukraine and Russia uh, together. Um, and today, you're between the two countries, it's close to 30 million users. Wow. So it's, 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 it's been like, a, and we acquired the company when it was two people. So it was really a Guajaya and a bet on wow. one guy. Uh, that's, a, that's a beautiful story and he's a, he's a really cool guy. Um, Uh, what is your vision of Ukraine, uh, tech and Ukraine? I mean, uh, yeah, so, so, so Ukraine is really two things for us. Um, it's a very interesting market, yeah. standalone, because you know, as I said, 8 million users. Uh, now we started... Um, so, so just so we know, 8 million users in a country of 40 million. It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. It's, it's huge. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it shows the, the, you know, the, the appeal of the product. So it means roughly, as you just said, like 20% of people right, have signed up. Right. doesn't mean they use it every day, no, but, but they signed up, they created a profile, they used it once, they might use it again. Um, and, you know, and we have like you know, very strong product market fit. We also expanded into the bus uh, business. So today, Blablacar is not just a place where you book a seat in a car in Ukraine. It's also a place where you can book essentially a seat in any bus. So we connect like the vast majority of the bus, intercity bus uh, network. And we've done that organically and again by M&A we acquired a company called Bus4 so, so again like you know we, we use M&A to, to, to scale so it's a big market right and, and, and we hope it's going to be a, a big part of the revenue mix of the company uh, in the long term and revenue is starting to, to grow quite significantly it's also a tech hub So essentially, like through the acquisition of Bus4, now we have 75 people in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So when I first came here in 2018, we had four. Wow. Four or five, I can uh -huh, remember exactly. Uh -huh. four year, three years later, or four years later, um, at 75, right? And 50 engineers. 
So it's the, the second engineering hub for BlaBlaCar. And that's where we build all the technology for bus integration. So, so when we connect bus carriers to BlaBlaCar to be able to sell uh, essentially bus seats on the, on the marketplace, all of that is built in Ukraine. So whether it's in for you know for for Brazil for any market we want to get into the tech is here in Ukraine. So it's also a tech center and, uh, and now it's a central team to some extent where we build technology. So um, wh why I mean when when we look at the numbers and 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 this number is to me I mean this this figure is to me absolutely shocking. 90% of the money invested in tech in Ukraine comes from the US. 90. 10% come from the rest of the world including Ukraine. Yeah. So, uh, what is it that you saw that you're the only one who see? But what, why other European or French companies are not are not running to Ukraine to buy companies, build teams, create create yeah. like uh, IT clusters? And what, why is why is it just the Americans? Yeah, it, 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 uh, so I think two things to say about that, right? One about like, you know, why is the US doing that? And maybe what Ukraine should do or should do better. Uh, I mean, obviously, Ukraine has a, has a fantastic pool of talent, specifically engineering talent. Yeah, right. Clearly. Um, I, you know, I think for most countries in Europe, it's not for whatever reason, maybe Germans do that a bit better, I don't know. But it's not like an obvious place to go to hire and create a tech hub. It's a bit too far, it's a bit too complex. And again, because European companies don't scale that much, and they still they stay in their own country, they don't need to hire resources or to expand globally. For us, being in 22 countries, having Ukraine as a, 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 as a business center, I mean, we do business in Ukraine, it made tons of sense to develop an engineering team in Ukraine because you have talent and because you have a local business. I think what's a bit specific in what we do is we hire people as a product company. So most U.S. companies you describe, or most money invested, essentially they use Ukraine as more of a, a, a tech center, right. where people are quite disconnected from the product. Mostly so outsourcing. It's mostly outsourcing. For us, it's not. It's mm -hmm. part of it's part of the core team. Like the right. core product is built in in Ukraine. Um, and second thing, maybe I wanted to say on that, which is like diverting a bit from your question, but which is like, I I, I think there are tons of talent in Ukraine, and I'm always surprised you don't have more startups. Like you don't have like more unicorns or any unicorns. I know you have a few. Um, I'm not even sure actually. You have you have a few in Ukraine. Uh, we do, but they don't claim to be Ukrainian. Okay. Like Grammarly, People AI, GitLab. I mean, nobody knows a Ukrainian. Okay. And so, but you have Ukrainian talents, which validates the, the, uh, the, the well, point of view. Most of the teams are, are, are Ukrainian, yeah, yeah. but nobody knows. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, and I think there is a mentality shift that, that needs to happen. And we see that when we recruit, mm -hmm. that in Ukraine, like most engineers would go for salary, they stay for a couple of years and then jump for a higher salary. And they don't pay attention too much in stock options and equity and so on. So, right. so I think the culture of ownership the culture of entrepreneurship is still too weak essentially within the ecosystem that people think of Veskil as something I'm going to sell as a worker and I'm just going to work for XYZ company and if I get a higher salary that's great nothing wrong with that but at some point you, you realize that uh, I mean for you and I you spend some time in Silicon Valley Any engineer you hire in the valley when you're Stripe or any of these hot startups, right. they will ask for equity even before they talk about their of salary. Course, of They're going to talk about stock mm -hmm. options, how much it's worth, and they try to understand. And they start to think like owners. Mm -hmm. And guess what? When they leave those companies, you know, 
sometimes they go back to other startups, but some of them, several of them, become entrepreneurs. And that's how you create sort of this yeah. you know, mafia, I mean, quote unquote, of knowledge, of money, and it creates the famous PayPal mafia, and so on and so on. You need to start that in Ukraine. So I think you, you, for me, it would be, uh, it starts with like having a taste of ownership, understanding, like having a small piece of a company, uh, joining product companies and seeing that you know, what you build is actually, is actually used by people, companies, mm-hmm. and it's a real mm-hmm. product. Um, and, and I think that's the, the, the mentality change that probably um, that you, like the, the, the younger uh, Ukrainian engineers, I would say, or any young employee need to do. Like behave like an owner, think like an owner, uh, and try this to is, start This is company. something actually we're trying to, we're trying to develop in unit cities. This is, this is also why we have all those acceleration program, incubation program. This is, um, but it's also, it's also linked to, to the fact that this is a very young country. I mean, 30 years ago, you could not yep. be an entrepreneur. Yep. And, and, and entrepreneurship is still not um, super highly valued. But, but this is also something we say about France. Like, uh, I mean, be, being yep. an entrepreneur became cool uh, with actually uh, maybe French tech and like uh, about 10 years ago but, but, but we had to go in France I mean I remember when I left for Silicon Valley in 2004 I mean I left because I was in digital and tech and I was like 2004 right what do I do it's very small and nobody valued this and, and I left for San Francisco um, but um, so is, is there any I mean obviously France is changing Uh, yep. Entrepreneurship is now valued, and and when you look at at, at what people want to do outside of uh, when they go out of HEC or Polytechnique, uh, they're like, do I want to go banking, consulting, or create my startup? And now it's I want to create my startup, yep. and I, I don't want to do banking and consulting. But how do you create that 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 change of of mindset? So I think it's two things, but, but you're absolutely right. Like you know, for me in 2004, I was in the valley. So essentially, mm-hmm. I never realized there was no entrepreneurship in France because I left to, to finish right. my studies in Berkeley, and I was there in '99, and I fell into sort of the the dot com era and the right. bust and the recovery, and and, and essentially, you know, it felt normal for me being mm-hmm. in the valley for the first seven years that. You start companies, you have equity, right. uh, you know, sometimes they go bust, sometimes they work out. So essentially, in that environment back then, you had lots of examples. And it's called Silicon Valley, not because it's dot com. It's called Silicon Valley because it's semiconductor. And it yeah, started absolutely. like 50 years ago right. with Fairchild and then Intel and all these companies. So, it's, so there is a long history mm-hmm. of entrepreneurs. So what it meant is for me back then, 20 years ago, you had lots of examples of you know, people like the... The, the, the boss of the, of the startup actually I was working um, for in the Valley uh, worked for Steve Jobs. Uh, so he was like product manager of the Macintosh project. How cool is that, right? So, and, and you get those stories. Of course. And, and, and those people obviously became successful. They had mm-hmm. like incredible adventures. They, you know, they, you know, they, they bought their house. They became rich. And you know, so you have these like tangible examples. In France, uh, like 10 years ago, or even now, you start to have those examples. So you start to see those entrepreneurs, you start to see those companies like unicorns, like you know, whether it's BlaBlaCar, Dr. Lieb, and, and many others. Um, so now you start to have examples. Uh, so, so I think having example is the first um, uh, key, essentially, mm-hmm. to, to start an ecosystem where people can refer to someone who's done it and then it accelerates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other one is sharing the equity of the companies, as I just mentioned before. Again, back then, 20 years ago in the Valley, it was very normal to have stock options. Right. And for me, as a, as a French coming of engineering school, when people said like stock options, I didn't know what it was. Yeah. When they talk about venture capital and uh, we had Kleiner Perkins as an uh-huh, investor, uh-huh. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Like it was foreign to me. And when we, like, like when we first hired with BlaBlaCar, so it was 2011, 12, 
I hired people from like Polytechnic and HSC, so mm -hmm. the top schools in the country. They didn't know what stock option was. Um, They didn't know funny. what equity was. Yeah. And I was almost like shoveling stock option <laughs> to these young employees saying like, just take Excellent. it, just take it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and now we have, um, you know, what we call the blabla bla mafia. So I was joking back then about like, you'll see like, you know, over time we'll create the blabla bla yeah, mafia, just course. like the PayPal mafia. Mm -hmm. I was always taking the example of the famous PayPal yeah. mafia. And today we have 30 companies started by ex blabla car employees. Mm. All of them had equity. All of them made some money. Sometimes it's like, half a year salary sometimes it's many years of salary but thanks to that they had the, the financial freedom and the mindset essentially to start their company so, so I think that's the other thing you need to do it's spread equity you know through the and spread ownership in a sense of ownership uh, and give appetite to more and more people to start their company mm. so I think France is at that phase where we start to have like interesting examples not generations of examples like you know uh, and large companies like in the US but we start to have like second third generation entrepreneurs um, equity is discussed and being shared so today you have companies like Caption that does secondary market for mm -hmm. um, for equity which frankly like 10 years ago would have been unthinkable in France right. yeah, like yeah, a marketplace like that and mm -hmm. today it means it's it's part of the nar narrative I think Ukraine is culturally I'm not talking about technology here I'm talking culturally mm -hmm. it's maybe 10 years behind so, so you start to you know people start to understand entrepreneurs and tech companies and, and so on but I can see it in, in the employees we hire as I said like they don't ask for equity so I'm, I'm, I'm almost at the same um, uh, sort of cultural step I was in France in 2012 where you need to sort of like shovel equity uh, down, down the package and say just take it you'll see it's probably going to be good right, right, at right. some point and trust me and, it, and, and I'll pay you anyway because I need to pay you market anyway so I'm not asking you to do any trade-off um, and I think you know, over time people will realize that hey That works. You know, it's, it's nice to be an owner of a business and maybe I should start my company. So for the people who are listening to us, the PayPal Mafia is, is actually the, the, the bunch of people who created uh, PayPal uh, maybe 20 years ago. Yep. And those people are Peter Thiel, Elon, Elon Musk, Reid Hoffman, exactly. and, and all those people who after that well created Tesla, uh, LinkedIn, Palantir, or, yep. uh, and, uh, and all that stuff. Um, now, uh, last question. Uh, we are at MEF in, in Kiev. So the Kiev Economic uh, Forum. Um, we had a, a bad pandemic. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure it was tough for you guys, yep. right? Um, so first, how are you? I mean, how are you recovering? And two, what is your vision of, of, of the world today? Uh, we were promised that nothing will be the same after the pandemic. Uh, and oh. we're, left, we're left pretty much with the same of what was before. Uh, with a good growth and the numbers are look good, I mean, including for Ukraine. So what is... How was the pandemic for you guys? Yep. And, uh, and two, what is your vision no, of the so, world? So, so let's start with us, and then, uh, and yeah. then I'll try to answer like, the, the broader question on, right. on what it means for the world, if, uh, if I can. Now, if, if for us, it's interesting. Like, if you think of the pandemic, it's been good for tech, bad for transport. And we are in tech Clearly. and transport. So, yeah. so to some extent, you know, we've been uh, seeing some good things out of that pandemic and some bad thing on the activity. So the bad thing, obviously, is you know, when came like March, April 2020, the world shut down. The activity of Blablacar was completely shut down. So, mm -hmm. so we, like, it was like surreal for us. Like we went from uh, you know, uh, having fast growth, like you know, best numbers ever because we're growing, to nothing. Like the thing was completely shut down. Wow. And since then, obviously, it's been like these yo-yos of like you know, reopening and shut down and reopening and shut down. Since this summer, we, we back to numbers that are very close to 2019. And mm -hmm. I'm 
I mean, touch wood that we don't get through like a fifth or sixth or I don't know what number of wave we in, but you know, hopefully uh, things are going to stabilize. Um, so to some extent, tough, uh, in a sense that you see your activity disappear and demand became totally unpredictable and, and, and you feel like really helpless as, as a company because you typically it's like competition or, or you feel you, you, can, you can change things. Here uh-huh. it's, it's like something falling from the sky there is not, not much you can do. Like right, frankly right. there is not. Yeah. I mean you can yeah. pretend you can pivot in a month or two but, but it's super hard. So, so, so essentially we focused on two things and that's what I said to the company at the beginning cash and engineers. So uh-huh. you, A you need to survive and we were lucky that A we had lots of cash pre-crisis so we didn't have a cash problem at all and we have strong investors that had no problem like adding even more and, and be offensive so we preserve all the talent we haven't done like a structural layoff or anything like that during this entire phase and again I wanted to preserve tech talent we kept on hiring actually in, uh, in Ukraine like we've built the old Ukrainian team during the crisis so we, we've gone long on engineering um, so, so, so that's, that's, that's one thing we, we've done the other good thing now talking about tech Blabaker is a platform so we don't own any inventory. So we're not like an airline or a bus or a train company no. where essentially you suffer immensely because you end up stuck with your CapEx. Mm-hmm. We don't have any CapEx. We're purely a marketplace. So, so mm-hmm. things naturally go up and down during this crisis. And what we found, and, and that's the, the, the positive side, I guess, the tech side of Blabacar, is a, a, a essentially the, 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 the fact that we are a marketplace and a people-powered marketplace with drivers. We never had to think like, how much supply do we need to put that summer? How much supply do we mm. need to put for Easter when the demand was and still is very unpredictable? The marketplace aspect of Lavacar means you know, if drivers come back, passengers come back too because they're expressing the same right, need, they're right, expressing right. the willingness to travel. Yeah. And you know, if there is like another wave, it goes down. If there is a rebound, it rebounds. Smart. And essentially, all of that happens naturally. Like Airbnb has the same story. Like Airbnb shifted from international travel to more staycation. And people, you know, yeah, and, and it worked pretty well for them. Yeah. So, in fact, our numbers are very similar in terms of like pattern to Airbnb, mm-hmm. and that's the power of marketplaces. So, mm-hmm. so I think you know, you realize that uh, capital light model and marketplace model will win out of this crisis. And, and the best example of that is if you look at uh, your Airbnb's valuation, our valuation, but even like OTA type valuation like Booking.com and so on, they've done okay actually. Yeah. And they've done even very well yeah. if you look at transporters like airline companies and so on they struggled so, so I think you know, the, the demand has shifted to even faster from transporters to marketplaces and, uh, and online distribution so software is really eating the world as yeah which is, which is another way to say that yes <laughs> right cool uh, and so your vision of the world well, I, how are we doing uh, so <laughs> So look, it, it, it's, a, it's a broader question. I mean, the, the way I think of it very simply, and I, I'm just going to answer like a, a subset, I guess, of your, of, of your broad question. Yeah, yeah, we can spend the day here. Uh, exactly. Actually, we're spending two days here in, in, yeah, in uh, Ukraine at this. So. Exactly. So, so I think you know, people are discussing that in length. Uh, my, my view is it's going to tend to accelerate what was already there mm-hmm. uh, and uh, or accelerate any trends. So for example, when we talk about like Zoom doing well, when we talk mm-hmm. about like people working from home increasingly, it was already there. Like for us, we already had employees working like two days a week from home mm-hmm. and we were increasing that. So, so people seem sometimes surprised in some companies that, oh, it's a big change from, from the crisis. No, it's an acceleration of a trend that was already there. So I believe in that. When we talk about like movie theaters, like cinemas going down, it was already going down. It just accelerated the fact it's going down because now people are watching Netflix, Disney Plus and right. all these different things. So I think anything that's a, an acceleration of a trend, so in our case, 
uh, one of the trends we see and we surf on is people booking buses online. So surprisingly, mm-hmm. in countries like Ukraine or Latin America, 90% of bus booking, so intercity bus booking, so what we do on Babacar, is done offline. Of course, you know, during that, that crisis, lots of people in those countries started to do a lot more online anything, online shopping, online yeah, yeah, videos, online whatever. So guess what? Today, we see pretty fast growth in all these markets in terms of bus booking. Not be- because people are taking the bus more, because the market is still a bit impaired by mm-hmm. COVID, but because people book online more. Then again, that trend was there a year or two years ago. It got just very, very much accelerated by, uh, by COVID. I think for the rest, when it comes to in our, in our space, like travel, transport, my sense but is that you know, people are eager actually to travel again. And, yes, uh, and, 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 and I uh, confirm you, that. Yeah, so, so yeah. I'm not too worried that you know, suddenly people are going to be happy staying at home and doing nothing. Like, if you look at the streets of Paris, actually these days, when, whenever you have a bit of sunshine, people are outside, people are just yeah. in cafes and restaurants and so Same on. Kiev. So, exactly. I think we're social animals. Right. We need to connect. Right. So I'm pretty sure travel is going to come back. It's just so the, the fundamental need is still there. How people are going to express it and what platform they're going to use or what service they're going to use, that will shift and it was already shifting and it's going to accelerate toward, I guess, the Airbnb, the blah, blah, car, the platform, the marketplace of uh, a new form of mobility uh, of this world. So it's going to accelerate that change, which is going to be interesting to watch because I think you know, t- typically when you accelerate changes brutally like that through a crisis, uh, you know, it creates a bit of economic chaos and, uh, and some tension. So we'll see you know, because it, it's, uh, so you're optimistic. I know, I'm pretty. I'm pretty optimistic. And you're excited by what's coming on. Hey, I'm an entrepreneur. You cannot be an cool. entrepreneur and be pessimistic. It doesn't. It's not compatible. I think. So. I, I, I kind of agree. Uh, thank you very much, Nicola. Thank you. It was it was a pleasure having you. So uh, sorry, guys, for the, the the noise around. But like once again, we are we're live at the Kiev Economic Forum. The Prime Minister is actually speaking. So we had to compete. But um, actually, I think it was way more interesting. Uh, Nicola, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, well, thank you for visiting Kiev. And uh, well, we look forward to see what's next for Blablacar. Thank you. Thanks. Ah!